0: Kevy, it's Cooper. Good luck today, mate. Now, when you're fired up, I think the Broncos fire up. So I want to see you fire up for today's game, mate. But no, I'm fired up that's the boy, Kev. That's the boy. I'm getting all fired
1: up. I'm all fired up and lonesome.
2: Crackdown week eight. Lockdown Week 2! Welcome to Fire Up! 2021 Episode 14! Coming to you on the Batuta Advocates Diamantina Podcast Network. Subscribe, like, write a review, etc. Once again, ravaged by the lockdown, but showing true resilience in the face of challenge by adapting to these unprecedented times and recording remotely. And what a week Crackdown 8 and Lockdown 2 has been! So much to get fired up about for Rugby League purists. Fans of the greatest game of all's pantomime, melodrama, plot twists and unexpected narrative arcs, this would have to be one of the greatest weeks of rugby league in the NRL era! Blowouts, Arguments over the causes of blowouts, once again dividing us into anti-Valandites who say the rule changes are to blame and they've ruined the game and the Velandites who say the rule changes have merely exposed the toxic culture at some of the NRL franchises like they're some sort of bad yoghurt. And speaking of toxic cultures, after five Bulldogs were stood down for flagrant COVID breaches by going and having lunch at a Bondi cafe and subsequently getting patched by the Travoyevich gang from the insula peninsula to the tune of 66-0. I believe it's Manly's biggest ever winning margin. But wait, there's more. Thirteen Dragons players were so INSPIRED by the idiocy of the Bulldogs' Bondi 5 that while the depleted dogs were having their very pants unceremoniously pulled down and their tender bare bottoms SPANKED! These 13, as the Daily and Sunday Telegraph's League reporter on ABC Sports' Sideline Eye and friend of the show Michael Carianos calls them, these 13 govidians went to repeat COVID offender Paul Vaughan's house for a barbecue, flouting the very lockdown that our dear Gladys has put on, which gave them privileged provisions so they could keep playing the great game of rugby league. Thus, the fabric of Australian society would not be torn apart! Then there are roosters players with a COVID scare. Storm Origin reps being stuck in Melbourne because Christian Welsh has a snotty nose. And here at Fire Up, we're all about arts music, science, and rugby league. So I was personally delighted to see an article by News Limited newbie Jasper Bruce writing about the changes in origin squads. Jasper wrote, <clears throat> and I quote, Queensland welcomes back Knights fullback, Kalen Ponga, for the third game of the series after injuries kicked him out of both last year's post-season tripnik and the first two games of this series. Last. Seasons. Triptych triptych a term usually reserved for three-panel artworks in medieval churches or a series of three renaissance canvas paintings think of jerome bosch the garden of earthly delights Think of Francis Bacon, the three studies of Lucian Freud. I'm getting so fired up about the confluence of art and rugby league. Chris, there's so much to get fired up and so little time. The very name of this podcast came from a famous dragon who was the son of a famous dragon. And dragons, of course, are famous for breathing fire to fire people up with regard to this latest controversy that's got newspapers and news websites running hot. Chris, what has gotten you fired up?
1: Player welfare, Dennis Carnahan, and welcome in what surely is one of the most momentous weeks in the history of our game. Has anyone, I mean, everybody's focusing on the Shell Harbour 13. Well, in fact, if you were watching 100% footy last night, it was the Shell Harbour 12 because Jared Beale was fined such an inconsiderate inconsiderable amount of money. He didn't actually make the two screens of the offenders. But everyone's focusing on the Shell Harbour 13. Paul Vernon and his co as says you so so... Uh, gently name them, but what about the likes of Jackson Ford, Cody Ramsey, and Andrew McCulloch? Leave the Origin players out of it. We know why they weren't there, but why weren't these gentlemen invited to the barbecue, Dennis? Is this club so split asunder that they've divided into two <laughs> factions, and these poor kiddies who are trying to play, play their trade in rugby league at both ends of the spectrum. Ramsey at the beginning, McCulloch surely at the end. Is anyone looking out for them today as this Issue reverberates through the very fabric of, dare I say it again, our game. Are you, are you suggesting
2: that those gentlemen you named, Ramsey, McCulloch, that they are Volandites and the others are? Anti-Vilandites.
1: I'm not suggesting anything, Dennis, but I, given that we've heard that some of the members of the Shell Harbour 13 took refuge under beds and in cupboards, I'd hate to think that they hold up in the attic and it's the Vorns have inadvertently <laughs> locked it and those four guys are still up there. Someone go, still check there. The, someone go check the attic down at Shell Harbour, please.
2: Because initially they were being called the Dirty Dozen because there was 12 named. But there was 12 named because Jack DeBellin was still hiding under the bed. So he literally hadn't made the report when that's the right. whole thing first broke.
1: I really felt for Bill. I mean, if you're going to get in trouble, I mean, you think at least you could get on national television. But they only had room for six names per graphic on Channel 9. And Bill, who only got one game and two grand, didn't make the cut. Paul Vaughan himself, has,
2: uh, he's got an eight-week suspension now. That's from the NRL. Yes, so they all Dennis. got a $1,000 fine from the cops. Yes. So he's got an eight-week suspension. Um, and I believe it's gone further that he's actually had his contract torn up. <laughs> it hasn't yes. just been switched off.
1: <laughs> it hasn't been terminated. It hasn't been binned. It hasn't been shredded, as has been pointed out uh, amongst the, the Fire Up Facebook group. It's been as all rugby rugby league contracts are when they come to an end, Dennis, they've been torn up. And let's face it, if players were smart in this world of e-contracts, which they're not, clearly, they would be getting their uh, electronic signatures on electronic contracts, because then they'd be hauled in to head office uh, to be uh, dragged over the proverbial hot coals for whatever offense that they've committed. And the club could threaten, will threaten to tear up your contract. And with impunity, the player could say, try your best. Because last time well, I checked a digital contract can't be torn up and never will be torn up.
2: But you can still print them out and then with impunity rip them up and throw them over your shoulder. Now well, you've got to think about Paul was
1: Vaughan. If I I'd say I'd see you in court. You've got, to, you've got to think about Paul Vaughan.
2: Paul Vaughan he's a quangers boy and he came from the Raiders. This is a club that bought the rugby league Todd Carney. Yes. Josh Dugan, Dukes. Joel Monahan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have had so much joy. So imagine the club that they signed, Curtis Scott. Imagine if that club lets you go before you've done your controversies, because that club looked at you and went, you are so up for a controversy, for an atrocity, we're going to let you go before it happens. That's think- got to be a mark.
1: Let's face it, when Paul Vaughan came to the Dragons initially, he played his best football, and I think you'll find he was – Part of a successful origin tilt a few years ago, but he's played with a barely contained fury and ferocity, reflecting the fact that he realized that he'd missed his opportunity to add to that great pantheon of Raiders transgressors. I mean, they really are storied (laughs) the the likes of the Carnies the Dugues, the Fergos, and he's the the rest of his career is trying to make up. And let me tell you, he's made up for it and then some. And I mean, obviously, the clubs are queuing up right now. I certainly hope the West Tigers are at the front of the to sign him and secure his <laughs> services but uh, uh, former creator of this show brett oden of course highlighted that with vaughn having time on his hands and given uh, that he is a repeat COVID offender he might be able to get a gig down at the uh, uh, barrel organic store where they seem to be <laughs> going against the grain where if you're wearing a mask you're not allowed into the store for hygiene reasons and if you've been vaccinated within the last 14 days similarly you're not welcome within the store I think Paul Vaughan will find a home I don't fear for the kid I think he'll find gainful employment in Barrel soon enough
2: you think he'll be selling no jab t-shirts in (laughs) the Barrel
1: organic (laughs) shop that'd
2: be fantastic look I mean didn't didn't you feel
1: that, (laughs) that there was something broader than look first of all uh, Redfern Pat, who we'll hear from later, had, had pointed out a, a couple of things. I think he, he noted it must be really tough for anyone who heard that they weren't invited by the the, the story breaking, the likes of of um, Ford, Ramsey and McCulloch. It must have been a real blow to them. But he but uh, he also... W- <laughs> what did you point out, Pat?
0: I believe it was Hook DJing at the game. <laughs> That's at the party what I was...
1: It. Re- so the, the and it got was on out.
0: Stephen Ferris's birthday too. And yes, he wasn't there. That- well, so Hook had to DJ.
1: As I said, if you check the attic, so <laughs> you know this was this was quite a celebration. As we know, Stephen Ferris has joined us in George Illawarra coaching ranks this year. You know, it's a it's a team infused with youth, the likes of Peter Gentle and Matthew Elliott and Hook himself. And I guess the guys were somewhat disappointed to find out that Hook had decided not to actually DJ at the event, as far as we know. But I would have <laughs> thought. Hook would have been thrilled that this was more evidence that the St. George boys are really getting around each other. And despite, apparently, as soon as they'd secured the one-point victory and that anything but thrilling victory over the New Zealand Warriors up at Central Coast Stadium on th- Friday night, they were apparently sat down and read the riot act and said, whatever you do, don't go to a party at Paul Vaughn's place at this particular time on Saturday. Wink, wink, wink. And all this... interesting. All this spin that's been put out about the St. George uh, powers that be had advised the players not to go. My sources tell me that the whole thing was done with a bit of a wink and a nod because Hook saw this as a fantastic bonding opportunity for the boys. And but for some nosy neighbor down at Shell Harbor blowing the gaff, this would have all secured their drive to the 2021 premiership. And by the way, do you know what the noise complaint, do you know what the generation of the noise complaint was? Was it hooks DJing? It wasn't was loud he play music. he
2: wasn't he wasn't playing Sweet Caroline, was he? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he,
1: he, he had well, when the Saints going in on blue. No, it wasn't loud music. It wasn't raucous cheering. It was actually the collective groans of the fact that the dragons had watched All three matches on Soporific Saturday, where the combined score was 148-6. to And they're all students of the game. They all love Rugby League. And they could see their great game and their media deal and ergo their salaries heading south as a result of where the where the game is going under the horsemen. So there were these groans emanating from Shell Harbour. So it was a concerned neighbour who actually run the police and said, <laughs> I, 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 I believe there are some wounded animals at Paul Vaughan's place. I think, you know, a couple, a couple of birds have been electrocuted or something like that, or maybe a stray cat's <laughs> caught itself up in the barbecue. And so the police went in there, concerned for the kids, and all they found, first of all, of course, was uh, Corey Norman's wallet. So,
2: well, I'll get to that in a moment. I'm just wondering what you were saying about the the, the dragons coaching staff, the the triptych of coaches, um, saying don't go and celebrate. It's one of Wayne Pierce's things that if you'd give instructions with a negative, the subconscious mind, eliminates negatives. The subconscious yeah. mind only believes in positives. Yeah. So if you say, don't go and celebrate, all the subconscious mind hears is, go and celebrate. That's we know all who... it hears. So I think Wayne Pearce could be to blame for this.
1: Well, in finally, you know, we might uh, later in this program have a look at who's the real architect of the blowout. And let me tell you, Junior's name is starting to be mentioned in dispatches, mm. particularly by one Buzz Rothfield. But uh, put it this way, rugby league attracts risk takers and mm-hmm. people with a can do attitude. So whenever you tell a rugby league player you can't do, you're right, Dennis. They just transfer that into we can do. And Exactly. And and, 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 and- to be honest, I certainly interpreted it I mean, they will be known forever as the Shell Harbor thirteen. They've joined the Royal Ramwick Five from the Canterbury Bankstown <laughs> Bulldogs. If you want to think further afield, what about the Chadston Five of the Indian cricket players over the recent summer? And of course, let's not forget Dugans. And I, I see <laughs> the them Dugan, as the, you yeah, mean
2: the Dugan one.
1: The Dugan one. Um, and let me tell you, he's used to that. And I, I see these guys as countercultural heroes. I, I think we'll be looking back. I watched the trial of the Chicago Seven on Netflix during lockdown over the weekend and was very impassioned by the commitment of people like tom hayden and abby hoffman and people like that i believe that within two or three months we'll be seeing a very quickly cobbled together trial of the shell harbor 13. and i think we'll (laughs) learn the real secrets of what happened that day and these guys will no longer be vilified but they'll be worshipped and revered for the pioneers and the can-do attitude people that they are
2: Speaking of can-do attitude, um, Corey Norman. (laughs) (laughs) So you alluded to this before. Corey Norman. Tell us about Corey Norman's wallet. What sort well, of wallet have we are we got? We talking we talking leather? Are we talking one of those old like surf scene velcro and and uh, and nylon fabric like they used to have that you know with reef maybe on the side like they had in the 80s or what's he got?
1: Well, if it's like my last wallet, I was attracted uh, via the Alice Cooper store to the billion dollar babies wallet because you kind of get the idea you got the <laughs> billion dollar babies logo on it and you think well I'll have a billion dollars in the wallet. Uh, and it was kind of synthetic alligator and it didn't really last the yep. course unfortunately. But um Look at, it, look at it this way. I think uh, Norman's purchased a wallet that's uh, able to deal with harsh cold conditions, basically on the assumption that he is definitely heading to Super League sooner than he might <laughs> like. And, uh, and of course, it's also fire resistant. Because... <laughs> because said, said wallet was apparently found on the Vaughn barbecue. And let me tell you, I mean, they're top of the range, the Vaughns. They're, they're actually, you, you can go there and not only do they do your standard, you know, cook your chook, your fish, your lamb ribs, whatever. They've got a smoking capacity in that. So mm. you can get the slow-cooked lamb, whatever whatever you like on the Vaughn barbecue. And the, and the Norman Wallet was uh, there sitting pretty.
2: So... Just on the barbecue, was it um, – he wasn't barbecue man, was he? Because there's the famous Sydney icon barbecue man who spread – well, he didn't actually spread COVID, who tried to spread COVID all over the place at every barbecues galore shop in Sydney. Did you he go to Shell Harbour? Is that where he got it?
1: You can't rule it out. And, and also, there's been a lot made. I mean – Actually understanding the mathematics behind the fines. As you said, there was the $1,000 flag fall from the New South Wales Police. And then the NRL's come up with a range of fines ranging at the top from Vaughan around the 50K mark with Corey Norman down to the measly two grand for jerry Bill. And it's a complicated formula. Again, Redfern Pat pointed out the past indiscretions played into it. But it seems to be that you certainly got a premium in your fines for not telling the truth. And Mm. Norman, for example, originally claimed, it wasn't me, Gov, I wasn't there. In addition to the wallet, his vehicle was out the front, personalized number plates, and (laughs) dare I say it, because if you saw Media Watch last night, I agree, please leave this, this man alone. But it was also a limousine. A limo. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying that Corey Norman is barbecue man into the Sydney limousine driver responsible for the (laughs) Bondi outbreak. This is all circumstantial evidence, but it was a pretty hefty find, I've got to tell you.
2: Did these these people not watch... The test. Did they not see what happened with the sandpaper gate press conference? Like this is it, it really is one of those things where you are better off just coming clean. There's thirteen people here, you're not gonna keep a cone of silence. Just
1: well fess it, up. It's never the transgression, is it, Dennis? It's always the cover up. And it's it was it's, really it was interesting. We we might come later to the uh Uh, the round of football, but there was a controversial issue issue in the Brisbane Cronulla football game where there was a clear forward pass and somehow the bunker found a knock-on and Cooper Cronk described it as the greatest cover-up in rugby league and he was... Not quite on top of the <laughs> St. George issue. Well,
2: but this, so like, that, that being the greatest, it, it might have been the greatest cover-up in rugby league at the time. But it's a bit time. like was it Glenn Houseman, who was always like two lengths behind Kieran Perkins? So as Kieran Perkins, so Glenn Houseman set a world record of 1,500 metres in the Olympics. The problem was he set it three seconds after. Yeah. Kieran Perkins has set one that was three seconds higher. And, lower. Daniel,
1: and Daniel Kowalski. you got a feel for both Daniel of them. Daniel Kowalski. Oh, but, but, poor kids. But, but uh, telling the truth doesn't really help you too often, it seems. I guess another person who's uh, had his issues in recent times in rugby league, of course, was Jack DeBellin. His original position on the matter was, I briefly dropped into the Vaughan household because I was out walking my dog. Um. And, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, the, the dog turned on him. The, the The cops put the spotlight on the dog and he barked and just came into Bellin, who it turns out was taking refuge under one of the, the Vaughan uh, beds, apparently. So um, whether these guys were confused and it was just one elaborate game of hide-and-seek and they just, you know, because you know, I was actually once at one of those dinner parties and, you know, there was interactions with the waiter and then all of a sudden the waiter sort of, uh, started accusing me of, and it was, it was celebrating my birthday as it happened, and celebrating, uh, accusing me of all sorts of improprieties, and, and then pulled out a revolver. And it turns out it was true, it was going to kill me. But in other dinner parties, that was like a paid actor. And, and I think that the St. George players, given that Hook Griffin had set this all up to begin with, you know, nudge, nudge, hook, you know, wink, wink don't go that they thought that the police and you know all that was just an elaborate bonding exercise (laughs) so when the police
2: so that's why because i remember growing up in canberra uh i went to my first party in year seven and the parents were away of, of the party house and there were people smoking dope and i was I'd seen a smoke before, but there's people drinking a smoke. This is the age of like 12 and 13, and I was quite innocent at that point and was a little bit confronted. Anyway, the neighbours have called the police. The police have turned up, and the girl who whose house it was has invited the police in. Sure. And the police have come in and gone and just given us a spray, a Bellamy-style spray, You and swearing, you fucking idiots. You, you absolutely... Okay, firstly... There's no adults here. There's someone's big brother who's 16. doesn't count as an adult. If you're going to have a party, have an adult here. Second, if the police come to the door, you do not invite us in. We can't come (laughs) in if you don't invite us. You've invited us in. I can see you bong. I I heard the toilet flush when I came in. Don't invite the police in. Third, don't make so much noise that you make yourselves conspicuous. (laughs) And then this is, we don't want to have to write this up. We don't want to have to come back here. All of you, quieten down and slowly drift off home, and you'll be fine. If we have to come back, then we're gonna—it's going to be worth writing a report. And then they left. So they gave us instructions on how to have a party without getting ourselves in trouble. Well, Do you think th- that these—that Paul Vaughan's wife has seen the cops, hadn't had that lecture when she was thirteen, yeah. and has gone, "Oh, fellas, come on in." And here's Corey Norman's wallet. Or maybe she even thought, oh, fellas, yeah, sure, come on in, expecting that they had Velcro pants. Whoosh! <laughs> and they were going kind to of join and spice the party up.
1: I tell you, all I'm hearing from that is, is that typical bohemian lefty type of uh, authority you've got <laughs> down in Canberra, which is why this country's in so much trouble if that's the environment that people are growing up in. And, and secondly, I presume that you blazed away later on in that party and that was uh, the end of it and you were down oh, a slippery slope. No. What, no, where do you, where, where do you see team. this all ending up? I think that uh, people originally go, "Wow, it's going to be tougher St. George," but there was some favouritism shown into the fact that the one-game suspensions can be meted out across the, the <laughs> uh, across four games. But if you actually think about it, if if they just basically forfeited. It would have only cost them two points, but they've actually got to endure this pain at three, leaving Vaughan out of the discussion, three players per game over four games is one way of approaching it. Or they, well, can, no, they some, can bite the bullet look at, and drop six for two. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating mathematical consideration, Dennis.
2: Some might look at some of the players that have been uh, caught and might have to be dropped and go, gee, they might play a whole lot better without him. That's oh, true. Right. <laughs> So it, it could be it could be the thing that actually saves their season rather than pulls it apart.
1: Let me tell you, Hook has been looking for some motivation and he goes, listen, boys, you're you, you bonded <laughs> you together and they're all against us. Uh, this is our time. Uh, what a story it could be.
2: Yes, it could indeed. Now, I'm feeling a bit musical. I think it's time for a song. Should we throw to a song?
1: Let's favour, as I said, the St. George Illawarra players, they're cultural heroes and they go, Bubble? What bubble?
3: i forever blowing bubble Pretty bubbles in the air They fly so high Nearly reach the sky They're like my dreams They fade and die Pretty bubbles Trouble. Bubbles in the air. Now, you've got to give credit um, uh, a little bit to the dogs. I, I thought
2: they turned up um, really well. So it was a really, you know, it was a real tight struggle there. Um. So, from Dean Martin, the king of cool, to a team that are playing. A cool style of footy, according to Daily Cherry Evans. What, what what leads? What makes a cool style of footy, Chris? It's
1: a very very good question, Dennis. And it was uh, to me, it, Daily Cherry Evans is clutching at straws because he had an absolutely horror second Origin, and uh, there was no greater humiliation for poor old DCE that the team talk at the end where the circle is, boys, we've got to pull it together. We've got to pull it together for ourselves, our families, our coaching staff, our fans, our state, our Commonwealth, was Ben Hunt that was leading the discussion. That's how bad it was for DCE. So at least he's able to go back to the comparative half of the Northern Peninsula and say, this is where I belong. This is where I live. And he says, we're playing a cool style of footy at the moment. There's a good vibe at training. And if anything, it helps distract me and refocus. And that's the genius of someone like De- Daly Terry Evans, who is able to be distracted and refocused at the same time. And <laughs> and and let me tell you, when you actually look behind what a cool style of footy is, I'll give you two words, Tom Trevojevic.
2: Now, I believe that um, Trent Barrett had something to say about the Trevojevic's.
1: He did, because this came off the back of Tom breaking through the defense yet again. Getting over the line and waiting for his brother, Ben, and he passed the ball to Ben for what turned out to be overruled as not a try. And Trent had this to reflect on it. Tom's a good player, but as a human being, the selfless act to throw the pass for Ben Trebojevic for a try that was pulled up. What's that say about
2: Tom, Baz? Looking after his brother. (laughs) Nah, they're a good family, mate.
1: We all know that. Can't you just hear the jaundice (laughs) in T-Baz about the endless crap that goes on about the Travoyevich family. If I have to hear again that they're down at junior 40, you know, marking out the lines, handing out the oranges, motivating the kiddies. I watched that game. It wasn't a game. Manly should have scored 90. If I'm Dez, I'm furious. Like
2: I've got uh, to say, if if Bellamy was the coach of Manly, he would have been blowing up because Bellamy does not care about the scores. Bellamy doesn't care about blowouts. All Bellamy cares about is the process. Right. He doesn't care about the result. All he cares about is the process. So if you're bombing tries, he doesn't care if you're 66 nil up. If you're bombing a try, you are going to have Bellamy spittle on your face as he roars at you and swears and calls you every Carmichael under the sun. Because yeah. he doesn't care. So All he sc- wants is process.
1: They scored 11. They blew about 6. It should have been 100. Hmm. And you're right. Bellamy, i like... I reckon Travoyevich would be in reserve grade this week for that performance. The hubris of the man is to cross the line and then wait for your bro. and par- <sighs> Like like baz I'm sick of this Travoyevich lionisation. It was appalling to watch. And, and, and look, I, I felt for Canterbury, who was short can, the Royal Roundwick Five. So, you know.
2: Can I throw you a, a couple of words? Showboating?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Grandstanding? Um,
1: <laughs> Galaz. <laughs>
2: What about this one? Layering up.
1: Layering up, exactly. Can I be the first on record to say Manly Ring Seagulls, 2021, Mug
2: Layers. Mug layers. Of course they are. Uh, I've got to say though, with the, the cool style of footy, cool, it's such a oh, yeah, lame, tremendous, football, lame, very laid lame, back, great
1: vibe. Cool <laughs> style of footy. Oh, it cool, reminds me that. I've always
2: thought that was the most dreadful song and like it's appropriate that Phil Collins covered it. Groovy kind of love. If any girl said to me, Oh our love's really groovy, dumped. I'm, I'm not taking that. I'd take great offense to that. Groovy kind of love. Cool style of footy. Cool. Cool was the word that Peter Valandis, when I was working when I was doing a jingle for New South Wales racing a few years ago. Peter Volandis wrote the lyrics about it and I had to sing Peter Volandis' lyrics and I had a long argument with the advertising manager saying, saying the words, cool, hip, place to play, when you're trying to attract 25-year-olds, those two words are 60s words. You don't call things cool and hip in this millennia.
1: That's totally poochy stuff if you uh, follow an itchy and scratchy, but uh, I tell you what though, it does does give me some thought to... Peter Voland is doing a sort of an autobiographical tune to the tune of "I Am the Walrus." You know, "I Am the Horse." <laughs> do, 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 do.
2: Look, well, uh, I know Peter listens. So, Peter, if you want someone to do the backing for you, I'll happily do it and do the back. But obviously, Peter would write the lyrics himself.
1: I'm happy to do executive produce. <laughs> T-Baz was asked a pretty pointed question at the end of his press conference by, I believe, Hannah Hollis. Do you think
3: this this might be considered as one of the darkest days in the dog's history? The result.
1: I think that's going a bit far. There's got
2: to be some pretty bad is it, <laughs> Is it, T-Baz? It it's certainly the biggest loss they've had to the, uh, the Seagulls. I believe it was Seagulls' biggest win.
1: Yes, it was. It, it actually eclipses their victory over Penrith in, uh, in the early 70s, 70 points to seven, which, by the way, was in the era of the three-point try. And... I actually remember that game. I wasn't there, but I remember that game because it was one of the early instances of when the ABC, which used to show the match of the day on the Saturday, which was at the cricket ground and it was a six o'clock replay. The next chink in the armor in terms of shifting from you must go to the games to being able to watch them live on television was they would go live at the second half on the Sunday ah, game. Yep. And, I, and I remember being up the road at the Cutler household, home of the great Steve Cutler, a.k.a. Skylab, part of the 84 Glam, Grand Slam in... I can't remember what the sport was. Uh, and seeing Manly absolutely torch Penrith.
2: That was part of the space race, wasn't it? Skylab. And it he, right. he came crashing to earth in the late yeah, 80s. In,
1: in Western Australia somewhere. <laughs> down near yeah. Kalgoorlie, I think. Yeah, so there was an absolutely huge win. And look, yeah, sure, I think there was... Some issue in the early 2000s where Canterbury might have been standing astride the top of the competition table and they got stripped of all their points. But mm. if I'm a Canterbury fan, at least they were a good team.
2: Like yeah, and I and mean, that did that did get the Raiders into the top eight that year on the yeah, I mean, <laughs> on the yeah, back of that because we wouldn't exactly. have made it otherwise.
1: Well, as a fan, yeah. would you rather your team is outstanding and court cheating or absolutely godmotherless motherless last like Canterbury and no hope of any redemption anytime soon because they're still recruiting backline not a forward pack uh, I think I'd take good and cheating
2: well let's let's let T-Baz have the last word what else does he have to say Pat <laughs> sorry could you could you repeat that again <laughs> <laughs> oh boy poor old T-Baz the press conference He's for the really... ages all doing it tough now I'm, uh, yeah I'm pretty sure he has coached more than half of that manly
1: team yes oh. that's that's the thing that really galls him and he was actually asked that question he was it was put to him you know manly team looking pretty good you've obviously had a lot to do with it like trying to go him into, <laughs> into saying yes I help at that dynasty I remember being at a sponsors dinner in 2005 which was a very important year in my life Dennis and I was, again, at the urinals. I know this is a recurrent uh, feature of my life. And Roy Simmons, who was an assistant coach for the uh, West Tigers Roycy. at the time was there and we exchanged pleasantries and I had just read his autobiography. And I said, Royce, look, I read your book. Re- Given to me by my good friend Stephen Gorey. I said, really enjoyed it. He goes, ah, I don't know about that book. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, they wanted details about my life. I just wanted to put in some funny stories. And I said, no, no. <laughs> no, it was really good. And of course, Penrith was coming off their 2004 Premiership victory. And I, I said, well, you, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah skinny burn sideline I said yeah. it must take some pleasure in that Royce having built that squad he goes no nah, I couldn't give a shit about that I'm West Tigers now and and it was at that point <laughs> at that urinal that I knew we were going to win the premiership now the fact that we were 6 and 8 at the time wasn't an issue
2: beautiful well that, that brings us on to a team that's probably not quite 6 and 8 uh, probably more like 4 and 12 um, that is going to be playing the Mandy Sea Seagulls this week and it terrifies me to think that my Raiders could potentially be losing to a team that has Walker at fullback. Yes. That, that really, that really upsets me. But Canberra, of course, Canberra played the Titans in Canberra and Canberra's had a great track record against the Titans in Canberra. I recall a game, oh, it would have been 2010 where the Raiders were 22 nil up at half-time and, uh, it was Matt Orford's first game for the Raiders and the Raiders lost that game. Whereas this week, oh boy. Uh, what did Ricky Stewart say about the result, Pat?
1: Welcome to Thinking 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. What you put that down there, Ripley?
3: It? It's not what, we've, not what we've practiced, mate.
1: 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart.
2: So they don't train to get beaten like so that. They, they don't yeah, train to lose. Yeah, that's yeah. a surprise. Because only a couple of weeks ago, he was saying, thank goodness we lost. So he could be forgiven for thinking that maybe that's what they do practice in case they bring on Xavier Savage <laughs> accidentally and illegally. But this week, no, there was no Xavier Savage. There was just a loss... And surprise, surprise is not what they train for.
1: I must say, you must take some comfort from those words because at least you're getting confirmation that they're not out there training to lose because (laughs) there, there had been a lot of evidence to the contrary. I mean, that was really the centerpiece of soporific Saturday. And... It went on to see the return of Kalen Ponga, Tom Travoyevich style to pilot yeah. the resurgent Newcastle Knights who apparently hadn't had their spine together since round two last year into a huge victory over the hapless Cowboys. And everybody was uh, really, really concerned about the future of rugby league. And if you were concerned and you focused on the last fixture of the round where my Tigers took on the South Sydney Rabbits, Dennis, you'd be Equally concerned because can I just simply say and this is an insight that I've patented and no one else has mentioned at all it looked like it was a training run for South in the first half.
2: Oh, uh, with some orange. You were there, colored. of course. I was there. There was just some orange witches hats around and they generally they found their way around said witches hats. There was um, a bit of resurgence. Like the Tigers the showed a bit of resilience in the second half when they scored 16 points.
1: Well, they scored 22, but you can say that, Dennis, but I would like to make the observation about South's performance in the second half. And again, I've patented this because no one has made this observation about that performance. South switched off.
2: Ooh, I thought you were going to say something even more... Uh groundbreaking like they'd put the cue in the rack. They're taken right. they're taking the foot off the throat. They're backed <laughs> off the pedal.
1: Yeah. They're they're thinking about next week. Which was which, which if oh, I don't know if right I got there. the buyer, but it would be, you know, I don't know, I don't know, a party at Adam Reynolds' place, I'm not sure. But of course <laughs> there's so much soul-searching going on at the Tigers at the moment, Dennis, and poor old Madge, he's really, really struggling. But he's continuing his pursuit for a solution to our problems. Imagine improved second half, but I suppose it doesn't mean much when you miss the jump 26-0 in the first half. Uh,
2: for three weeks, our starts have been ordinary. So we've got to be accountable towards that. Well, what happened at the end there is, doesn't mean nothing, really. I mean, it's... um sad to say that our start looked like a training run for South. it was um, very disappointing to sort of see us start like that, you know, we've done a lot of work and I need to find men that are going to be accountable to what we're doing,
0: Um, yeah, it's not not acceptable there for for where we're going with the club, our first half was, it was,
2: it was garbage. Needs to find men. Yes. He's back to the the recurring theme that for for men's football, you need men. It's just, he's not suggesting he has women. What's he suggesting
1: he has? I don't know. I think in 2021, it's a fairly loaded conversation where you say we're needing to find men. As we pointed out recently, he has been seen clutching a copy of Jane Feltz's The Inside Man, and this concept of men seems to be a bit of a catch-all for when you're not playing well. What it doesn't really describe is the alternative. And by the way, I've contacted my intellectual property lawyers about him suggesting that South had a training run because I've patented that. And uh, I, I'm not quite sure where this goes because I've had a, I've had a pretty good long look at the roster and I'm not sure that he's going to uncover some additional men in there, to be honest. Is it
2: is it possible that he's not actually, it's not the gender issue he's talking about, but it's the age wisdom issue? courage issue that one associates that boys against men is that is that possibly where he's going that he's got a team of boys
1: well, he was you know, asked about Dale Finucane, as everybody is these days, and he goes, yeah. I, and he he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily explicitly acknowledge that they're talking to Dale Finucane, which to me is code for we have talked to him, and he said not interested, Madge. But <laughs> but Finucane seems to be the embodiment of that solution, a leader of players, someone who can be seen as a man who takes charge, takes authority, pretty much like I don't know James Tamou, who. Basically, it was on for 20 minutes and ran for 15 metres. So I, I, it's, it, it's an ongoing problem, Dennis. It's definitely an ongoing problem.
2: Because, I mean, the, the Panthers, who... who did they, oh, no, they had, a, they had a, a tight game, didn't they, the Panthers? Because the Panthers were missing a few players. <laughs> um, but the Panthers... Would, would you say the Panthers were men? Would would Madge call the Panthers men? Because I'd suggest that there might be an issue with that. Because every week, Brian Torr is... Beza, he's very happy to say full credit to the boys. 100%. So maybe Madge is looking in the wrong spot. I couldn't He also, agree and, and, and what do they sing? They sing boys to men. Yeah. Well, they're so, on a
1: transition. And I think that, mm. you know, and again, there was a lot of footage of To'o warming up prior to the game with headphones doing some absolutely terrific busting of certain moves of the dance variety. And I think that this is the solution with rugby league. Is that it's? Can I just say... It's not a result, it's a journey. It's not where you're going, it's how you get there. And it's the
2: process. It's Bellamy the process.
1: Style. It's totally the process. And so, successful franchises, i.e., Penrith, Melbourne, formerly the Roosters, um, gosh, it was tough watching them getting touched up by almost 50 <sighs> points. It really was. Really, really broke my heart into a million pieces. Uh, is that too many? of the unsuccessful franchises are thinking it's all about talent recruitment and that it's about finding men. Well, first of all, we have shown, and Reese Walsh won the fan poll ahead of Joe Manu and Nico Hines, that it's about recruiting good-looking players. And yep. it's around recruiting good-looking players who are on a adolescent journey from boyhood to manhood. And mm. that is the secret to success in rugby league. It's not, well, that's my view. It's about recruiting good-looking boys on their journey to men. But Wayne uh, Wayne Pearce, he's he's on my mind right now. Wayne Bennett put a sort of an alternate view to this in his press conference after the victory over the Tigers.
0: You you keep blaming the players. You're so far off the mark it doesn't matter. You're not in club lean, you don't understand how it works. Until the club itself gets their management in order, their whole whole ship, the club, the players will not be be able to respond.
3: Sometimes to say that
0: the the, the, the gulp in class and between the players is the issue. Is no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there's a gulp between the players is and the issue. I'm saying the clubs, the way they're run and managed.
1: There's a lot in Ooh. that. There's a lot in that. This is the hereditary versus environment argument in rugby league right now. Like I regard Nurture versus nature. Yeah, I regard the the round 16 where the combined winning versus losing scorelines was 316 to 76 as very much like the French movie, Le Grand Bouffe where four well-to-do French Mm. gentlemen got together in a mansion and ate themselves to death. And what is the cause of these blowouts? And the hereditary argument to me is a little bit along the lines of what Wayne's talking about there, which is roster management. And then of course the other factor, which is the environment is the rules. And, even as respected a luminary as Paul Kent has published an article this morning saying, I agree with Wayne, it's roster management. But last night on NRL 360, when he started to describe the rules and the impact on the game came to a real-time realization, that it's more than that. And I think the, the the hereditary environment argument is somewhat misplaced because as we've discovered, it's about good looking boys on their journey to manhood. That's the secret of rugby league success. But Wayne also, he's always interested, Dennis. There's always an agenda. So in that press conference, <laughs> he doesn't have a job next year. And he's basically saying mm-hmm. most clubs are basket cases, but not the ones that I've involved with. And hello to St. George, Illawarra and the Newcastle Knights. And, and at the same time, he went at some length about origin selections, how that uh, you, you've got to have a eye to the future. So there's no way I'd be picking the Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker cabal, <laughs> therefore protecting <laughs> his own competition for, you know, position. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, what we heard from Wayne Bennett is ultimately his genius, right? Because he said it's got nothing to do with the players. And what is he? He's a... Men manager, and they mm. love him for it so much so that you know that they brought him to the dressing room at Likehart after the game.
2: They brought him in.
1: Do you know what they brought him? What the players got for him?
2: Oh, did they buy him a present?
1: Takeaway from Grappa Restaurant, just down the road.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a big fan of that. Now that
1: just down the road in so Street.
2: <laughs> that was obviously a dreadful, dreadful thing that happened, but. But in the weekend where there was so much disaster, so much controversy, there was one thing that had saved rugby league. One man, not boy, one man, one good-looking man who saved rugby league. Who was it, Chris?
1: A good-looking man who went on a journey from boyhood to manhood through his rugby league career and then his journalistic career. And now as he moves into the third part of the triptych, Dennis, player, journalist football official, we speak of course, the no one, that and didn't he just absolutely offset the Gingham beautifully, the pink Gingham Bronco (laughs) shirts. The great Ben Eichen, he's turned Uh, the whole ship around. I mean, we're all just desperate for crumbs of decent football these days. And the Brisbane Cronulla game, up at Suncourt Stadium, Sunday afternoon, can I dare say it, dry fast track, was uh, absolutely... Thoroughly entertaining. It was like I was looking at rugby league, hang on, two years ago. And I went to the statistics, Dennis, and one call was made right on full time. But prior to that, over the 80 minutes journey of the game, how many ruck infringements do you think were called?
2: Well, the average is sort of eight to ten a game, aren't they?
1: Three, Dennis. Three. three.
2: Including the late one, three. No, I think wow. the late one
1: made it four. But uh, it, th- this was a throwback, and it was everything that we've grown to miss about rugby league and love about rugby league, and we put it down to one person, Ben Iken. But I tell you what, it's got Kev absolutely <laughs> absolutely reborn, and uh, he had this to say about the future of the Bronx. Well, Kevin mate, you Said the, uh, you hit the reset button this week, and it was almost a testament to that.
2: Um, yeah, just yeah, great. We had a great preparation coming back. We reset, and I thought every bit of our game today improved. Are we where we need to be? No, but certainly some, some really big improvements across all
0: levels, you know, of our game.
1: Well, there you had it. And look, take it from a Tigers fan. You put a lot of value in one win. And it seems like Mm. Kevy's put a lot of value in that one win. He went on to say later that we are now in clear water, you know, with the Icon Donaghy Walters (laughs) cabal, with my brother Steve as, you know, football, uh, you know, sort of game day manager or whatever role he's playing. We are in clear water, and the Broncos are going to make a, a charge for the Premiership. And he says so because all it took, Dennis. Was hitting the reset button, but I'm not so sure. It's just that easy to hit reset.
3: So I'd love to hit the reset button and just you know we can go back to a homeowner, a mailwoman. No. Why no,
1: No. No. You, you feel we're beyond resetting.
3: Yeah, I think we are. Why? Why? Yeah, you reset. Let's hit the button. I don't think I can do that. Oh, no, we hit the we hit the big button. You can't just press a button. You can't just press a button. Why Why? why
1: not? Yeah. <laughs> so there might be still some tough times up there north of the border, Dennis, but let me tell you, all New South Wales Origin fans took something also out of that game, and that was Payne Haas chasing down the flying Cronulla player who was going to score a consolation-meant-nothing try on the 80th minute. And it gets me thinking, Dennis, it's Origin time again. It's
2: Origin time again, and... Uh, yeah course, Josh Papali, just last year, chased down the flying Jamal Fogarty and brought him down. And, was he was like, he really flying? <laughs> well, it was it was the fastest run of the year. Like the the tracker, the the matrix around the ground tracked him. He went. He broke thirty eight k. It was the fastest run. He had for a few meters. He was the fastest NRL player.
1: So Papali, it was he, an astonishing thing. Papalihi is faster than Travoyevich and Edo Carfact.
2: Statistically, over the year last year, yes. Wow. But my point from that is this: I, I think it might have bugged him. I think he's done <laughs> after that run because he hasn't. He hasn't been at his best since then. He, he, you know, went off and did some boxing, and he's, oh boy.
1: This, this oh. is this is the problem for a lot of creative people. I mean, it's generally said that we've all got one novel or one album in us, and maybe mm. Papa he's just had one run in him. And he that was his it. hit, and that's it. It's the, over. That was his. stats in Queensland, if I dare say that. That was
2: it. <laughs> was it. And this weekend, this weekend we've got Jackie Boy Whiten playing uh, for the for, for this Origin. Sorry, he's, he's at number six. And um, I love Jackie Boy. I always have, hand on heart. I love Jackie Boy, but. His form hasn't been that good. I'm really hopeful that uh, wow. you know. What? I'm actually terrified. I am absolutely terrified of him and Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses. So Jackie Boy's playing in a team which has started. They've learnt how to lose. They had a few years where they'd forgotten they ha- how to lose. But they haven't. All practiced they knew it was apparently. how to
1: win. They haven't <laughs> and, been practicing. And
2: they have been practicing how to play footy, but they haven't been practicing winning on the field. So. Jackie Boy comes with that. So if any pressure gets put on, I worry that Jackie Boy might then go, here's the familiar pattern, this comfortable old pair of shoes. I'll slip these on. I'll stop making runs. I'll just throw the ball early to someone else. And inside him, him, he's got Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses, who, uh, yes, sure, he has the most famous grandmother in origin history. Absolutely. But he himself is famously considered... He's the new Braitha Nasta for being most overrated player in the NRL.
1: You're making... He's,
2: for- the, he's also... He is the flat-track bully.
1: Well, there's a, there a number of things that you've raised there, Dennis. First of all, I think Freddie's smart enough to keep Whiten and Moses on opposite sides of the field. He's not going to try and do oh. the, the Cleary-Lewi link-up, surely. Just, you take Travojevic, <laughs> you take Latrell, and just, you know what? Here's my instructions. Pass on the ball. Um, <laughs> secondly, you referred, of course, to Benny Elias' grandmother, who was famously seen no, as... No,
2: Benny Elias' mother. Mother, Who I is Mitchell say, Moses' is grandmother? grandmother. Uh,
1: um, and she's not doing that well, according to the press. And we sent out our best wishes to her. But she, of course, was mopping yes. up the blood off Benny after a, a victory at the uh, Sydney Football Stadium in Origin. It's
2: not just mopping up; she ran on. She invaded the pitch. She illegally. She should have been fined five grand. But no one's going fi- to fine her five grand. She ran onto the field, didn't care about the result. Was just trying to mop the blood off her son. This is a mother's love. This is what rugby league's
1: all about, Chris. I love being able to explode, Miss. That's completely untrue. That's just mythology. She was actually, Mrs. Elias was actually part of the New South Wales team, and she was on in that uh, squad for that particular purpose, because she's well known as being the cut person in the corner for a number of boxers that came out through the 70s and 80s in this great town. Did of she have a
2: magic sponge? Oh, Did she she was great with the, the magic sponge. sponge?
1: And, and, and she just go, <laughs> you're dropping your left, you're dropping your left. It confused Benny, but, <laughs> but still. But Mitch, the, the selection of Mitchell Moses himself and a uh, friend of the show, David Garnsey, I know is absolutely a huge fan of Mitchell's work and is tremendously excited. And, and is, you know, uh, really, really glad that Wayne was able to do such a sell job on, for God's sake, please don't pick Reynolds and Walker. But <laughs> there was, of course, the other Moses as a Moses M by who ran on, for his 150th game at an empty Leichhardt on the weekend and (laughs) he struggled a little bit to get through the 150 game banner and I saw and true fan of the show Terry Bull pointed out saying you know another player having trouble parting their banner and I said to be honest Moses did a better job parting the Red Sea than uh, Embai did with that (laughs) banner and then Terry pointed out but the real religious miracle is Mitch Moses got selected for origin. Uh, it's all so-
2: coming up. It's all coming up. Moses.
1: Daniel Saifidi out. So if they're playing at Newcastle, that's, that's a shame. Uh, Brimson and uh, Ponga are back. Hunts at Hooker. And they're all saying that this is the best team Queensland's picked this series. And that's a team with <laughs> Ben Hunt at Hooker. Just get your mind around that with you. But you know who won't be there, uh, Dennis? Who won't be there? Ronaldo won't be there. No,
2: poor old Ronaldo won't be there. In fact, I've been so moved by Ronaldo's case that I've I've written a little song about it. Let's do it now.
3: Ronaldo Mullitalo is one of Queensland's favourite sons. He's from the North Island of Queensland, from where so many Queenslanders come. Ronaldo Molitalo Molitalo. Yes, he's from Queensland through and through Ronaldo lives and breathes for Queensland But he can't play for the Maroons To play Origin for Queensland, there's a three-part questionnaire. Did you arrive before you turned 13 or were you born there? Did your parents play for Queensland? Just one yes and you'll be fine. But Ronaldo answered no, 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 yet thinks he qualifies. Ronaldo Ronaldo Ronaldo. Mulitalo He's one of
2: Queensland's favourite sons.
3: He's from the North Island of Queensland. Queensland, from where so many Queenslanders come. The NRL gave rule exemptions for Joseph Suali and Sonny Bill Williams to join the Roosters team. They won't give an exemption for Moletalo. They'll change their rules for the Roosters, but not for the Maroons. run Moletalo. Moletalo! He's one of Kiwinsland's favorite sons. He's from the North, North, Island, North Island of land, from where so many landers come. Ronaldo. Oh yes, he's from Queensland through and, and through. Oh yes, he lives and breathes for Queensland, but he can't play, play for the Maroons. Maroons.
0: And now it's time for the latest installment of the life and times of Gus Gould.
3: Gus was all right, over Gus is taking Gus is oh, no. taken over the bunk up. I'd be like Homer Simpson at the nuclear plant. Mm,
0: Donuts. And that was the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. Donuts.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I do love it when people say nuclear. What do you got for w- us? Well, I trust Denny Wydler. Yeah, well...
1: It's so important with regards
3: to it. You're right. I got the wrong, yes. wrong game.
0: Call your fine today. No. I call your fine for the game. Um, I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. Dennis. Yes, Pat. I want to play a game with you. I'm ready, Pat. So, spoiler, our uh, media watch this week is Spud Carroll. Spud, um, yes. I'm gonna play you a clip. So he's been prompted in one of these like uh, round the grounds, you know, uh, you know, quick minute or whatever it's called. So they've they've prompted him with a question. I'm gonna play you his answer, and you need to tell me what the question is.
2: Is that true?
3: Can I go? Yes. yes. Okay. To quote the band the Killers, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier.
2: I mean, Wally, Alfie and Big Gordon, they'd be turning, not in their graves, they're ashamed. Okay, so a blue rinse in
3: two games out of three at Queensland. said, so, sorry, Tubes, you've got an unwinnable argument here. They've got no soul and certainly have no soul and certainly aren't soldiers.
0: <laughs> what, what's, what are you, what's he talking about? What's he
2: trying to say? Did Vonnie say, Spud Carroll, did the Queensland <laughs> origin team have a soul?
0: That is true. That is true. Because he did say soul, convinced-
2: soul, 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 soldiers several times. But
0: but he did say they. I have soul, but I'm not a soldier. So how is oh. that?
1: Which is a quote from the killer song. All the things she said. Correct, Pat. All the things
0: I've done. All the things, all things, I've the done. things she said. All is the things it, she it, said. Of a- course, being the Russian. Uh, sisters Tattoo. Oh, Tattoo, right.
1: So that... <laughs> yes. The, the killer song is performed, or mind too, by Justin Timberlake in the movie Southland Tales. Has anyone ever seen Southland Tales? I can say no. I haven't. I, destroy- I haven't. It. it was... It was- It's an extraordinary film. It's an absolutely extraordinary film. Uh, It's got The Rock in it, uh, Timberlake, as I mentioned, and it comes off the back of a graphic novel. And the director who made it, basically uh, his career was in tatters. It was the guy who directed Donnie Darko. And then he's done Southland Tales and he went south and he tried to make a comeback with that Cameron Diaz vehicle, The Box. But I can't recommend it more highly. Spud in I, it? I think I think Spud is it. <laughs> speaking of Bonnie, by the way, who's come off a stellar first week in NRL three hundred and sixty. She was. They were discussing how you know, with Ben Eichen saving Rugby League, that there's a new training regime at the Broncos, and the trainers come in and hit them hard. And uh, our very good friend Carmen. I think
0: we. Yes, I think we have a clip of that. Oh, really? Um, yes, we do. I'll hear that.
3: The roster's a patchwork quilt at best of times anyway, so we're probably seeing that.
2: Look, it's the old gay waterhouse model. She gets the horses in, she works them hard, if they can't do the work, she gets rid of them. Yeah. That's, that's the new Broncos model. There's a few model. carrying
3: shin splints in the Broncos There's, at the moment. And
2: there'll be a few more for the way it's going.
3: Yeah, I right, get the white curtain out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, a t- that's a tough regime. Wow, funny.
1: Bonnie used to work at the Eagle Farm Equine Hospital. So she's had a little bit of experience there. And they're referring to the, the tougher training regime that's been brought in now that Ben Iken's come and saved Rugby League. And as a result of that, Albert Kelly, 30, did his hamstring. Uh, ben Teo, 34, went down with a calf injury. Carmichael Hunt, friend of the show, 34, did the same. And <laughs> Kenny, Kenny was referring to their old men injuries. And we know that a successful Rugby League team can't just be men. We need boys too, men. and adolescents. And Ivani put it perfectly when she said, I think it's time to get the white curtain out for some of those Broncos. And again, it's just more evidence that Ooh. Ben Eichmann is saving Rugby League. What else, Pat?
0: Um, you were talking about Justin Timberlake before? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, can I give my Janet Jackson... For today, uh,
2: look, it's hey. been the most popular part of the show, Chris. You've got to let it out.
1: I'm single handedly reviving her career. Her highest selling album <laughs> uh, so her highest selling album is uh, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 or 1814, depending on how you look at it. I actually named my basketball team after that album. We were called Rhythm Nation 1993, which takes you back to the time. The album came out in 1989, had four singles Rhythm Nation. What year? Uh, came out in '89.
2: <laughs> Rhythm nineteen,
1: nineteen eighty
2: nine. 1989
1: Yeah Which Okay, thanks <laughs> One argues you probably Should have called it Rhythm Nation 1989 But anyway Four singles Rhythm Nation Miss You So Much Escapade and Black, Gat and Black Cat And get this the Black Cat was written Specifically for the Penrith Panthers That's a little right. fact. And the album Is the... It Did Gus Gould commission that? <laughs> That's right And it's the only one In history To have three Number one hits In three separate Calendar years
2: Ooh. Wow! How about it that? Was Black Cat? Did Black Cat get to number one in
1: 1991? I, I believe so, and it sold more than 12 million copies worldwide, and it is definitely worth checking out.
0: So, what feedback do we have, Pat? So, we were talking last week about uh, Rugby League University, uh, yeah, and we remember we were saying that um, that we'd have uh, Mitchell Pearce teaching literacy. Oh, sorry, literature. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. We got uh, Spud. I don't know Spud. We got uh, Benny teaching maths. Ronaldo yep. teaching geography.
2: Yep.
0: yep, yep. Uh huh. And the Fire Up Brains Trust have jumped on. We got Andrew Ison saying that Brian Toto teaching dance. nice. Um, yes. We certainly nice. won't have him teaching music based on um, his taste that we've heard of. We've got interpretive Andrew- dance. Interpretive dance. Andrew Kalov saying Stephen Hawking's on how to play the ball correctly. And I, I don't know if you guys ever seen uh, Jared Wallace play the ball, but that's a thing of beauty.
1: <laughs> Does he play for the Titans?
0: The Titans, yes. He plays the ball like he, I,
1: he kind of plays it. I have never seen it then? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I,
2: was, I certainly didn't watch any of the Titans game on Saturday. I heard somewhat on the radio, and it, the first time in, I would say, or oh, 20 years, first time since I've had Foxtel, uh, I chose... I went to a girlfriend's place and watched Rick and Morty
1: rather than watch the second half. Sure, because you described it as a game. I wouldn't describe it as a game anyway.
0: A lot of people saying the worst game since the Melbourne Storm loss in 2013. Mm. Uh, Terry Bull and and Mark Thornton saying Hopper teaching anatomy. And it's certainly been an interesting week for that family.
1: Well, can we we Mm. very briefly touch on that, of course, is that... uh, uh, Jamil, I believe it's the son of Hopper, is at least out on bail because it turned out uh, that...
2: Just got to pick you up on that. You said the son, the, that definite article is singular. <laughs> it a son? Been, ah, a son, because there's, there's about 13. I,
1: I don't want to continue now. <laughs> anyway, he's on, he's on bail because the bag of cocaine that was alleged that he threw away when he approached the truck in the incident that he's charged for by the police was actually uh, turned out to be fake cocaine and it was actually an inert material. And therefore they said, how can you throw his defense says, how can you throw away a bag of cocaine when it's not actually cocaine, which is kind of, I guess their version of a tree falling in the woods, isn't it?
0: I got arrested Mm. once for, he
1: believed it to be cocaine.
0: I got arrested once for a, um, a literal bag of sugar, very literally a bag of sugar. And when they were, um, I said to the police that, um, that, yeah, you're going to tell this story at your Christmas party. This is, like, just a bag of sugar. And then it turns out that um, I DJ'd this particular police branch's Christmas party the year before. um, And they had to call it something different. They had to call it a social club, not the police station, because I think they were predicting um, some antisocial (laughs) behaviour.
1: And and, and, uh, were you... uh, did you offend the Australian Dental Association because you had the bag of sugar, or what was the story it was a big there?
0: bag of sugar. Uh, yeah, didn't hear the end of it. I spent, yeah, a uh, long story, and, but I didn't hear the end of it.
1: And an eerie echo for the Hoppawadis, former NRL player, as again, someone pointed out, describing him as a star was too much. Kenny Edwards faces a hefty ban after being accused of putting his finger up an opponent's bottom in Hudderfield's heavy defeat to the Catalan Dragons <laughs> over the weekend. The uh, player who apparently was being examined, if I can use that word, was Sam Cassiano. And I haven't heard Sam Cassiano's (laughs) name for some time. Edwards has been hit with a great F charge of other country behaviour. If um, uh, sticking a finger up someone's <laughs> bum is only great F, I'd hate to think what a great A offence is, and he could be out for eight matches. As indeed, Catalans Joel Tompkins was given eight matches last year for a similar offence. So don't let anyone tell you that John Hopewadi <laughs> wasn't anything but a pioneer in rugby league. So absolutely so Is,
2: is great F is great F like a euphemism for fisting? Is that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, Dennis. Are you sure you were watching
2: Rick and Morty videos? On Saturday night, very sure.
0: What else you got, Pat? Um, Speaking of rugby league uh, uh, royalty, uh, Stuart Marler saying Mm. Nate Miles and Julian O'Neill on home maintenance uh, because of their because of painting and floor uh, coverage. Yep. (laughs) Uh, We got Uh, Julian. Julian could probably be in there
2: because yeah. We're in the middle of winter, but in summer it's it's a real problem around Sydney, particularly the leafy north shore, where the the funnel webs come out and hide in your shoes and yep. I
0: believe that
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Julian it, had a had a cure for that. It'd
1: be good at chemistry as well, because didn't he try and set the Danny the dolphin alight, the mascot? Well,
0: we have another suggestion <laughs> we with have a Bunsen burner. We have another suggestion from Cam Short saying that Julian could potentially teach HR.
3: <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, we got Mark Thornton and Tim Morris saying Mal Meninga teaching politics, and then Daniel.
2: Oh, that'd be a great idea.
0: Daniel Michael saying that well, he could also teach legal studies because he also represented uh, David Fafida nice. at the judiciary this year.
2: I, I do. Yeah, wh- you could probably get Paul Ozzy Osborne. You could actually the political science department would be quite big. You'd have Paul Ozzy Osborne, who was a politician for I think seventeen years or something in La- Canberra. You'd have Glenn Lazarus, 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 of course.
1: Dowling, great. Felix Annesley, of course. Dishet Dowling. Tim Mander. I mean, oh, it, it, Felix, ex- there's quite a wow, crossover. That?
0: Paul Osborne could teach home economics with his um, creative shopping habits. <laughs> yes, there's
2: another one.
1: By the way, uh, there was a disturbing development this week about Emeritus Professor Elias, which I really want to share with you guys before we go. He was asked about his nephew Mitchell <coughs> being selected. For origin and he was asked whether moses would be able to handle the pressure and intensity of origin football and elias responded 100 percent he will now that that seems, that seems very, very low
0: yeah that's a very low percentage for him S- seems
1: very unelias to me i mean i wasn't expecting 170 percent he will but i thought at least 110 would yeah. have been yeah would have been consistent with his worldview
0: 100 is just a low pass isn't it
1: yeah, this is barely registered. I, no wonder we're worried about Mitch just, in that, origin. That's,
0: that's what he's saying. He'll he'll just handle it. Just. I just, that, to round, just to round it out, we've got uh, Victor Avesdo saying roosters on accounting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that will be as as uh, Wayne Bennett was That'll be the back office, not the yeah. players. And, and yeah. Can
1: I say again, reflecting on the roosters getting touched up by the Melbourne Storm, the trouble with the Sorry, roosters... Sorry, the roosters getting what? Could you say that again? I said touched up. I'm not able to say that these days.
2: No, no, no. I, I, just, I just want to hear you say the Roosters getting touched up by the storm again. I, well, I, I, I love hearing was it. A touch, what was the score in that one? 46
1: to Donut.
2: and 46, it, so the Roosters didn't score a point.
1: No. And, boy, I've had some fun uh, explaining <laughs> to everyone why uh, uh, Christian Welsh's hit on Sam Walker was legal. But, again, there's more evidence. The Roosters... Their trouble is they're not fielding boys journeying to men. They're just fielding kids. Sam Walker and young Joseph Sawali. I mean, these poor children are suffering out there. It really upsets me. Well, it doesn't really.
2: Doesn't upset me in the slightest. And it is wonderful hearing Roosters fans blowing up deluxe, if I can use that term, about Sam Walker getting hit a couple of hits on Sam Walker, where. I'm sorry, if you put a boy out on the rugby league field, why should Christian Welsh or Justin Olam, why should they go easy on the kid? The kid's trying to throw Harbour Bridge passes left and right yep. and make them look like idiots like sorry boy you're playing against men bang and that's a legal hit bang and that's another one I'm sorry and you're the team that has Jared Warrior Hargraves who I have repeatedly blown up about all he does is cheap shots and dog shots how he stayed on the field he's only been sent once in the entire crackdown which is an absolute farce and again shows the favouritism that those entitled roosters have how they can blow up when they have that clown hitting everyone smaller than him in the entire world once he crosses the white line, apparently a lovely bloke. But how they can—they cannot have the cube. They can't be blowing up about one little, a couple little hits.
1: It's pretty—we're not a visual medium at the moment. This show because Dennis, I just watched Thor Ragnarok, and when you get fired <laughs> up, you're very much like Mark Ruffalo about to turn into the Incredible Hulk. It's really quite something to see. Except you go. Oh, Pink rather than green. Yeah. Like, by the way, I just have to
2: wipe the camera down because there's a little bit of spittle on all of,
1: all of there. Olin just threw a beautiful right-hand turn to, to level Walker from some distance, and I just the word exorcet just came to mind. It, it really, was, really was a work of art. Just terrific stuff,
0: Pat. So it's my segment, so I'll give myself the final word. Um, Please, I've got I've got Corey Parker teaching international diplomacy, and this is a. <laughs> This is a quote of his from last March, but just listen to how timeless it sounds. There's a lot of uncertainty around the happenings, and I suppose the goings-on of the coronavirus.
1: Terrific stuff! Wow. And we mentioned the expression "blowing up deluxe." That group is starting to get some purchase, Pat.
0: That is blowing up deluxe. So on Facebook, <laughs> hit "blowing up deluxe," and it's a. Um, this isn't. Uh, this isn't Jupiter's where everyone's allowed in. Um, we have a lot of. <laughs> A lot of talk about Gus's Twitter account. Perry Hall pointing out that Gus was solicited to film a porno, which he responded, "If I'm not there, start without me."
1: W- words that <laughs> words words that Kurt Cable wishes to take a heed of. Anyway,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, we got Daniel Michael uh, who points out that Sticky conceded he might be part of the problem at the Raiders this year.
1: <laughs> the emphasis on the word part.
0: Yeah, Scott Atwood with a uh, a photo of Paul Crawley and and Paul Kent playing for the uh, Arimba in 1986 I can't wasn't wait. that
2: fantastic oh, yeah. that was
0: the most wonderful
2: picture I should I should share this cause I got this last year I have a you photograph share it, sent to me you might make the
0: uh, you might make the segment next week
2: a f- friend of the show Vonnie Sampson sent it to me it's a photograph <laughs> I can trying try and say it of Paul Kent dressed up as Santa Claus when he worked at the Arimba Mall as Santa Claus for Christmas.
3: Boy, oh
1: boy. That's, That's that was a, real. That was a different it's, time. It's Paul
0: Kent. It's Paul Kent dressed as Santa Claus. That's up there with Gladys dressed as, um, as Wonder Woman on her 20th birthday.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just hanging out to watch NRL 360 tonight and see Paul Crawley go, oh, it's just wonderful seeing the Travojevichs display their wares. He won't dare. I'm telling you, he won't dare.
0: <laughs> Chris, have you got anything? Is that it, Pat? Yep. Well, then now
2: isn't it now time for Chris's Kooky Controversy Corner? No, what's it called? Chris's Kooky Correspondence Corner, KKKK.
1: Yeah, perfect. Chris's Kooky Correspondence Corner. And there's just one piece that I want to bring to your attention Dennis and Redfern, Pat, and I refer, of course, to a tr- marvellous tweet that went out under the moniker "Fire Up," which is at Fire Up NRL, as opposed to our Facebook and Instagram at Fire Up Rugby League, and it showed a picture of the Roosters. What was that score again? 46 nada.
2: 46. On, so, so the so the Roosters scored nothing. Absolutely. With all that attacking silch. genius, was so Teddy wasn't playing, obviously.
1: No, Teddy was playing.
2: Oh, Teddy was playing. Mm. And they still couldn't score. With the best player in rugby league, they still couldn't score a single point. And of course Angus Crichton, so obviously
1: Angus Crichton had been on origin duty, so he was playing.
2: So um Pappenhausen must have been cutting sick. He must have been going nuts. No, he, out wasn't, there, he wasn't playing. He was out. Harry Grant. Oh, ha- Harry, Harry Grant. Harry Grant. No he nuts. must have been cutting sick. from. No, go- Harry Grant's no. injured. He wasn't there. No, he wasn't there. That, but this <laughs> is a half-strength for Storms. And, and they couldn't even score a single. Even Sammy Williams put in a try against the Titans. The Roosters got nothing.
1: <laughs> I just had to look up again to remind myself of the exact score. And on my NRL Today app, I see the score that says storms 46 and then the roosters It's just got the picture of the cover of sort Fred Hoyle's, the black hole. And anyway, there was a picture of the roosters gathering under the posts after yet another storms try and fire up tweeted the Bondi cluster is the roosters standing under the posts waiting for a conversion and kudos to you, Redfoot and Pat, because it actually went, Viral and AB Sport tweeted it as good banter, dot, dot, dot. And let me tell you, if you're watching reality TV as much as I am, and I am, the most important thing in Farmer Wants a Wife this year is not looks, personality, a caring attitude. The farmers, what they're primarily looking for, is good banter so oh. pat this must be additional frustration for you because you got <laughs> turned away from survivor steered toward <laughs> beauty and the geek and now the very thing that you've been publicly recognized for by our national broadcast and the abc sport and dennis had nothing to do with it was the exact quality that they're looking for for the contestants on farmer what's a wife unfortunately unless you've got something to tell us pat you're not meeting the right gender requirement for those all particular I, farmers.
0: All I can say is I'm liking the look of 90 Day Fiancé at the moment. <laughs>
2: and, I, and I should just say, a, a shout-out to Fletch from ABC. I, I did actually have nothing to do with it. I saw that tweet come up and I I messaged the guy from ABC Sports Social Media who was on that night, Fletch, and said, do you know, do you know anything about the person that's tweeted this, the, the fire-up? And he's like, no. He's from Adelaide. He doesn't even know what all he knows is the Rams. So top kudos there, Pat.
0: And Fletch, I hope you're listening. I've seen the numbers. It could it's possible that one yeah. person is listening. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and 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 I guess we should say we hope that everyone's listening. And I I think we've indulged ourselves a little bit longer today because it's lockdown and everyone's looking for things to occupy their time and Uh, We're happy to be part of that.
0: Yeah, well, it took us long enough.
2: We're we're looking for things to occupy our time as well. But we should probably wrap it up there. I'm Dennis Carnahan. Thank you, Redfern Pat. Thank you, Chris Gale. We're fired up. Hope you're fired up. Hope your team gets a win this week or doesn't get smashed in the bye or go out and have 13 players lost by breaking COVID rules.
1: George boys, (laughs) we had a win. No, I don't think so.
2: No, we didn't. So you have been fired up. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and we'll speak to you next week.